Hello, 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 and welcome everybody. Welcome to season three of Roleplay Chat. I am Matt, and I'm a game master who just cannot stop talking about role-playing games. And oh, have I missed being in front of the microphone? Oh, it's been it's been you know a couple of months now that I haven't recorded anything, and I have to say I miss it. I miss you, the listeners. I I can't wait to get into season three. Uh, today we're going to be talking about rewards and magic items and kind of the creation of magic items. Uh, but before I do that, I do have a couple of announcements to do. I'm going to make them quick so we can get right into the episode. Um, it's a it's a long one too today, so I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, the first announcement is that the giveaway is going well. I've been crafting up a storm. I've actually, maybe I'll give some details here. I've been crafting up dungeon tiles, and I'm thinking of also crafting up a dice tower that I'm going to give away to a lucky listener, a lucky follower of the show. So if you are interested, you know, uh, you know, XPS foam painted with the with my airbrush and all kinds of nice uh, details added on there. I'm going to mail that out to a lucky winner of the of this prize. For now, I'm considering sending it anywhere across the world, but uh, we'll see if shipping is uh, is limiting on on that. But for the most part, you know, I think I can probably get it anywhere. Uh, so yes, look look forward to that. You can uh, get more details on my on the Twitter account roll underscore play underscore chat at Twitter. That's how you're going to be able to enter the the giveaway. So please uh, go there. I've spent a lot of my sweat and tears making these dungeon tiles. They're going to look great, and they're going to be able to use them in your home game. The second announcement is another quick one. It's that, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually rate podcasts now on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, I'd love for you to give us a five-star it really goes a long way. It helps the podcast grow. It helps the podcast be found by new people. So if you're appreciating the show, please, please, please give me a five-star rating there. And if you're listening on other platforms and you can rate, I'd also encourage you to do that there. Anyway, so that's those are the two announcements for now. And let's let's get into the episode. Let's talk with our fantastic guest. Today, I am joined by the one and only Star Shinobi. Star, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi everybody, uh, my name is Star Shinobi. Uh, you can catch me at Star Shinobi on Instagram, Twitter, and DMs Guild, where I talk a lot about TTRPGs. Um, on Instagram, I have my, I say this with huge quotation marks, daily D&D magic items, um, which will be rebranded once I get back onto those. Um, so I like creating magic items, I like talking about TTRPGs, and I'm also part of the Waffles Maple Syrup cast for pathfinder 2e on outcast and outclassed so i am diverging out of DD a little bit which is very exciting um have you always played have is this your first time playing a system outside of DD? uh not the first time um but i think it's the first one i've really gelled with it is something that i've come to learn about myself is i like crunchy ttrpgs okay <laughs> um as Good. we were kind of talking about i am i am a little bit more mechanically inclined i can make characters i can make character concepts but to create a pc i kind of need mechanics to give me ideas and i know that's not normal for other people but that's, oh, that's perfectly fine like um yeah so i've tried wild sea wild sea is pretty fun um quest is actually one that i quite enjoy despite the fact that it's not as crunchy but, you know, I've dabbled here and there with a couple other ones, trying some of those one pagers. And while they are great in their own right, they just they're a little bit tougher for me. 
but I always encourage people to try them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lo a lot less longevity. Long, they don't last as long. You can't have a campaign, you know, of like 15 sessions with some of these, like, with like a lasers and feelings, one page, you know, micro RPG for sure. Um, and they make wonderful one shots. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's and that's just for me. I know role playing is one of the ones that I struggle a little bit with and I'm getting better at it. But um, I am your uh, your tactician in a in a game. And I like that role. <laughs> so I'm, I'm then I'm really looking forward, I, even more so looking forward to our conversation today, Star, because that's something that I tend to not do. I, I tend to not focus so much on the mechanics, and then sometimes it comes around and bites me in the in the rear end because I gave my players something that I probably shouldn't have given them. But <laughs> haven't we all? We have all done that at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so D and D Pathfinder, mm -hmm. your your magic items that you that you've created in the past. Uh, what systems have you created them for? Are they are they agnostic or are they? focused on certain uh, they're they're really built in D and D um, just because until re recently that was the rule set that I knew. Um, so like I said, I'm kind of building into Pathfinder a little bit. Um, but as I was making those like D and D is the rule set that I am comfortable in and can pull a little bit more on the fly. Um, and when I started creating these, I was doing these daily. So it wasn't like I you know could take a couple hours to look up rule sets. It was like, OK, what am I yeah. doing? I have like an hour and a half to make this. Let's go. None of them are tested if anyone tries them out. So heads up on that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so D&D &D has really been has really been what I focus on. But I know I'm a little bit newer of a player, longtime fan, short time you know, player kind of thing. <laughs> so hey, that doesn't make your that doesn't make your insights any less. Um, valuable you know if anything i found the newer folks tend to have the more creative uh the creative output when it comes to this kind of stuff so so awesome cool and i guess one last question that i have for you and i'm going to put you on the spot what's something in the tabletop rpg space that you're incredibly proud of that you'd like to that you'd like to uh, brag about um well in the ttrpg space i think well there's i guess there's two if i can cheat a little bit um, one is I was part of the plot hooks team that created Disaster Hamsters. Um, that was one of the first things I actually published with someone. So I'm extremely proud of how that turned out in that group. Um, and the second one, I think, is just <laughs> a little bit of a nerdy side of um, I'm a cleric. I like to play clerics in D&D, &D, and I got to play a 20th level cleric one time. My biggest goal was always to cast Inflict Wounds at ninth level. <laughs> and I got to do that as a death cleric and I nat 20 on it. Oh, <laughs> so I got awesome. to hit I got to hit a Kraken for 232 necrotic damage in a single go. And that that made my life. <laughs> so. pretty, that's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong. That's a lot of damage. <laughs> That's a lot of damage. And it dented a little bit. Didn't do it didn't do as much as we had hoped, but no, that stuff that's definitely one of my one of my favorite moments. Awesome. Awesome. Great. So with that, you know, mm -hmm. I think you have you definitely have the expertise needed to to walk us through uh, magic items and rewards. But before we have that deep dive I think we have to do what we always do on Roleplay Chat, and that's define our terms. Now, I mean, rewards, 
seem pretty straightforward, but then again, so do other things like traps or like puzzles. Anyway, so let's let's blank slate. Let's talk about what rewards mean to us. Don't worry, like you don't have to go pull up like a Wikipedia page of what it should mean or like the Webster dictionary definition. Let's just make sure we're both talking the same language here. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll throw you the ball first, Star, and you know we'll kind of c- construct this definition together with caveats and, and asterisks as needed. So mm-hmm. what is a reward uh, in a tabletop RPG to you? So it's a it's kind of a broad term, but I think it makes a lot of sense to me is a reward in TTRPGs is anything that your players view as a prize. So like magic items and gold, it's always kind of the first thing that people think of. But for me, it's also giving them that spotlight moment where their backstory that they worked so hard on creating comes into play. It's giving them that piece of information that they need. It's describing their moments of, you know, extreme success in a way that shows them that they're special. So I think it goes beyond monetary things. It's also giving them what they wanted in the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, I agree with you. I think one important asterisk here is that rewards also include, like you're saying, they include narrative, like they can be narrative, they can be mechanical advantages, but I I think advantages is the word that I'm going to fixate a little bit on. I I think ultimately a reward should provide the players with some kind of boon. It can be a benefit in the sense of like a purely mechanical plus one on an attack roll or whatever, or insight on you know the bad guy's lair and they can plan a sneak in you know avoid conflict maybe sneak around stuff like this so to me it's it's really like a a benefit it's something it's a value added that you as a game master are are giving the players maybe they worked hard for it maybe they stumbled upon it but it's it's like this extra thing that benefits them i think that that's Mm -hmm. yeah that's where i'm gonna focus on yeah, I think that's a, a a very very good point because I will I will say like I've been a a DM for about three years now, um, and it's gotten to the point where some of my players from time to time will be like, "We noticed you didn't make us roll for this. We did good mm. enough that you rewarded us for it, didn't you?" So that's it's like cool. I have I have a player that she is an incredible persuasive role player, so but doesn't like so much the other parts of the game. So she's usually pretty quiet until she has this moment that she can have an RP moment to use her in-life persuasion skills, which are ridiculous. Um, But like her reward for coming forward and doing the role play that I know she's not that comfortable with is when she does very good. Yeah, no role. You absolutely convinced this person. You got what you wanted and what you needed because you did good. And so it doesn't have to be these huge things. It can be these little tiny rewards along the way, too, which encourages your players to enjoy the game and keep coming back. I love that. That is fantastic. And I I like that you talk about scale because you're right. A reward, you know, you could often fool yourself to think, oh, it's the big treasure chest filled with rubies and diamonds and like the, you know, plus five magic fear of you know whatever it's some god in your game but no it, it can be just convincing the npc to let you in or getting a free night 
at the inn to sleep. You know, little <laughs> things like this. Um, it did make me think of, though, a, a caveat that I might want to put for today's conversation. I think in some games, there are rewards that are, you know, part of the game system. Uh, inspiration is something that comes to mind. Inspiration is a reward that you as a game master give your players. I, I think I want to steer clear of those kinds of rewards today. I think we're going to talk purely of rewards that you as a game master concoct or provide your players that are outside of the system's scope. Uh, unless, Star, you feel strongly to include them, and I'm happy to be challenged on that. Oh, no, that's, that's there's so many rewards out there. We got we, we to gotta focus down a little <laughs> bit. Awesome. Cool. So I think that covers uh, rewards. I hope everybody listening has a as a good grasp on that i know i know i benefited from this conversation i think yep. you know there's definitely parts of it that we gleaned on so um let's let's move on then to our experiences do, do you have do you have your a favorite reward something that you were like oh my god this was the perfect thing that this player absolutely needed or wanted or didn't even know they want but now they have it mm -hmm. i think <laughs> For me, I haven't really had that that huge moment. I've had those little ones along the way, like giving that player a story arc because they were they gave me that. As a player, like, did you receive a reward and you were like, oh, my God, I needed this in my character's life. Like this was the. Um, I've had a I've had a couple of them. I think it was for me, it's again been more like story beats of, in all honesty, to that story that I told you about the, the cleric. It was simply that I was talking to the DM and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to play a 20 level character and have this opportunity. And like two or three weeks later, I got a, hey, so we're doing this level 20 campaign. Do you want to come play your cleric? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I do. But yeah, I guess the I guess the thing is, like, I've DM'd more than I've played. So I actually haven't really had the opportunity to to have that i think okay. the closest one is we <laughs> we were given the deck of many things oh boy. during my first <laughs> campaign uh it was an altered one so it wasn't quite as ridiculous um and i pulled from it twice which was probably stupid and both times i got a negative card but i still saw that as a reward because i got to do it and i wanted to do that so i became dumber i pulled the idiot card once which was great um but, I mean, I guess if you if you you were playing a cleric then too, I presume. Yes. Okay, so I guess it's not so bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't so bad. So, and it was like I said, it was one of those like our DM knew we were all new players. He knew we had no idea how dangerous this thing could be. I mean, I did because I've listened to D and D podcasts for like four years before we ever played. But the rest of our group had no idea what this was. Like, pull cards, get stuff. Sure, let's do this. So he, <laughs> they toned it down a little bit. But I mean, even that, it was, it was a curse, but it was a reward for taking a chance. And I guess because of the fact that I still found it fun, I see it as a reward. Awesome, awesome. That, you know, I I want to talk about a reward that I gave once that I was I'm pretty proud of that I I I love. It was. Basically, was playing with relatively new players as well. It was it was with my wife and her sister who had never played a role playing game before, and then a couple of my buddies who had played role playing games like for a significant amount of time before that. And one thing that that you know that table really enjoyed was solving riddles. Out of character, here's like a ten word riddle that like the people sitting at the table would solve. And I know 
Yeah, I, I know some people listening might be like, oh, that's dumb. You should never, you know, disassociate yourself from your character that way. But anyway, they loved it. So one of the rewards that they that they obtained through a series of, you know, a series of events was this affiliation with a little demon. He was a small little demon that they could summon once a night, and he would lockpick any, any one lock if they could solve a riddle that he provided them. And they were just like, oh my god, I love this guy. They gave him a little name. His name was um, Timothy the Demon. And they summoned Timothy. They even had like a little like the hand gestures that they would do at the table whenever they would summon Timothy. And he would come. And I, you know, every night I, I prepared a riddle. That I, I Googled a riddle because I knew that they would summon Timothy because that was like their favorite thing. Every night they like, Always, when given the opportunity to summon Timothy, they, they did. So, to me, that made me really happy to see them use one of their rewards basically every night for like months, you know, like for games and games and games at a time, they would summon Timothy. And I was like, yes, this reward was something that they wanted. They, but uh, yeah, I was really proud of that one because they just kept bringing it back. And that's kind of how I knew it was a successful, su- successful reward. Yeah, and actually, when you're taking when you're talking about that, I had this realization that I have given my my players one thing that they have greatly enjoyed. My characters, none of them know teleportation. None of them know fly. So one of the hardest things for them is travel. Well, we have one paladin who finds steed, but they move around so much that they keep forgetting their horses' places oh, no. and <laughs> all of this. But the thing is, like, they will still play through travel no matter what they do. But I know they don't enjoy travel. So I actually have these magic items that I uh, bought called the Mobius cards. And one of them is a card that they place it on the ground and it turns into a horseless carriage that will bring them anywhere they want to go and they can use it once a day. And that is their favorite thing. <laughs> It talks to them. It has a voice. It prepares them food. So it's like their own little moving, you know, Leoman's hut. But um, yes, I think they that is the thing they have loved the most that I gave them. And that that reminded me of that. <laughs> that's definitely that's that's a, I'm going to steal that. I'm definitely going <laughs> to use that at some point. But yeah, I love that. That's an amazing reward. Um, and yeah, that's how you know it's a successful thing. If, mm-hmm. if they bring it back time and time again. And I guess that brings me to my my first question about rewards for you, Star. What makes a good reward? And I, I think we touched a little bit on it, right? Yeah. Something that your players want, something that your players use. But is there more to it than that? To you, what makes a good reward? To me, in all honesty, everything for me comes down to do the players find it fun? Um, obviously, as the DM... You know, I'm supposed to put challenges. I'm supposed to make things hard. Um, I'm supposed to, you know, bring some of the darkness out into the world. But for me, everything is about, is it fun for my players? So when it comes to rewards, I want to make sure I'm giving them something they enjoy, which is very hit and miss. I have given them rewards in the past. I'm like, these are great, only to see some disappointment. And I've given them rewards and I'm like, these are okay that they've loved, like the carriage. I never thought they'd love the carriage that much. And every time they plan something now, it's okay, how long until the carriage is ready again? When can we use the carriage again? It's like, okay, that's that's how we plan ourselves now. (laughs) 
But yeah, when it comes to any kind of reward, monetary, non-monetary, it's do my players find it fun and do they want to do this? Uh, Because I think as DMs, we can kind of get caught up from time to time of what do they need, which isn't always fun, but it's something good to give them. Or what do I find fun rather than what do they find fun? Um, I know we can get caught up in that sometimes because sometimes we don't know. So that's all we have to go off of. But yeah, long, long ramble to they enjoy it and they have fun with it. <laughs> cool. That's really cool. And you, you talked a little bit about monetary uh, rewards. And I think that maybe that deserves its own little parentheses here because I've played in games where everything we get, unless we explicitly say we want to keep it as it is, gets sold off. It gets pawned okay. off and we now have this stack of money. And Personally, I find that a lot less interesting than acquiring some kind of, you know, strange object. We're not too sure what it is. Deciphering what it can do. Maybe there's a curse attached to it. You know, there's kind of like this this element of discovery to each reward or item that you can be given. Mm-hmm. Compared to just, hey, you came back from the dungeon. Here's, you know, 200 pieces of gold. Like, have at it. Do it. Do do what you want with it. Um, so anyway, that that I guess that was my segue to that to to monetary stuff. Like, how do you feel about money as a reward? Have you played in games or have you run games where money was the primary reward? And how does that kind of play out for you? Yeah. So my game, my personal game, has actually transitioned into that. Right. And again, it's because I have. It's just the kind of players that you have. So for some players money is better because then they get to choose their rewards. And that I find is very effective with my players, because like I said, I've I've tried that you find these in a dungeon and then my players are trying to figure out well, who gets what, because some people agree with this, some people don't. I always give enough rewards for everybody to have one. Mm-hmm. So if I have six players, if we go into a dungeon, there will be six magic items so that everybody can have one. But the problem we run into is somebody usually gets one they don't enjoy and then it feels less fun. So I've gone to maybe giving these items, finding things for them to have, maybe smaller ones like, oh, there's 12 potions here. Everybody gets two. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. And then there's here's a bunch of money. But I've also decided to create a world where there are magic shops everywhere. They're very common. So instead of me saying, here's what you get, it's, you know, here's your tokens from Chuck E. Cheese. Go to the counter and figure out what you want for doing good. And that is what my players like is being able to go into a magic shop and say, that's what I want. So that's the kind of game I've shifted to to keep to make them happy. Interesting. And how did you figure that out? Did they did they complain? And I don't want to make that sound like it's a bad thing, obviously. Players should talk to their game masters, but like, did they give did... me constructive criticism? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, and like I said, and really, what it is is I'm very lucky that one of my players is my husband, um, and he is also a DM. So my other players don't really complain much. I can tell when they're unhappy, but they won't tell me why. <laughs> As opposed to my husband, he'll be like, "Hey, this was not fun for me." And then we'll talk through it and figure out how we can make it better. Or if I notice one of my other players wasn't having fun, I'll contact them and be like, hey, I noticed 
everything okay? What's going on? You can tell me if you're not having fun. I want to know. But yeah, in that instance, it was he is very much a let them figure out what they want because they're newer players and he wants them to have fun and stick around. So he usually gets the one he doesn't want. (laughs) And so and so it came to that point. He's just like, I wish I could just choose my own. I went, would you prefer that? And he said, you know, I, I probably would. So boom change other people were happy to happier too somehow and cool. so was he of like i said here's your chuck e cheese tokens go to the counter and figure out what you would like um i still pick things to offer to them and have to go through the process of figuring how much they're worth <laughs> that <laughs> that is a uh, that is an endeavor in itself but um again that is a reward for the players giving them something in the mode that they would like to have it yeah, that that's definitely and it definitely takes out the middleman, right? You're saying here's here's your money, go get what you want. I suppose it comes from a place of bias because as a game master, I also enjoy creating. I'm sure you also enjoy creating the the you know the rewards that you provide your players, especially when they're magic <laughs> items, right? Magic items are so mm-hmm. much fun. Um, I definitely hand them out at a much slower pace than that, though. You know, it, it's usually one at a time, and it's one at a time. In such a way that, not that it's telegraphed, but, you you know, this is obviously the item for the mage. Or this Mm -hmm. is obviously the item for the frontliner. You you know, and I let the players kind of figure it out amongst themselves. And sometimes I've been surprised where they create a compelling enough, they have a compelling enough argument or discussion, rather, between each other. And somebody that I didn't think would care about this item receives it. This happened once with like a stealth item, like it was like a basically a, st- a, a, bo- a stealth boost item that made somebody m- more stealthy. And the reason I created it was for our rogue or our rogue-like character. We were playing in a different si- system. And I wanted them to be like, you're going to be like the sneaky person. No one's ever going to see you. But the argument that, or the discussion that was had was, why don't we give it to somebody else who's like meh in sneakiness? So that the two of them could go sneak off together and do things and neither of them would get caught. Or if they did, they would both get caught together. And I find that, I found that kind of interesting. But to go back to my original point, I, I parceled them out more slowly and usually with player input. So I'll have my players say, hey, I'd really love it if my character could do X. So then I would create an item related to that, give it to them, and kind of they'd be given out almost one at a time every other session or so, so that the, the wealth got shared based on the feedback I got from my players. Yeah, and I mean, and I would also bring up the argument that neither of these is better than the other. Mm, for it sure. just really depends on, on the players. Because uh, just kind of speaking on that, like your players are very open, like this is what I want for my character, this is what I want for to be able to do. My players just aren't like that. So it's... It's one of those, like, on the other hand, I have to do it my way. But there's a drawback to both sides of maybe someone feels like they're not getting a magic item fast enough in your game. As opposed to in my game, there is definitely magic item overload to the point where they don't always remember what they have. (laughs) So, um, I mean, so there's there's positives and negatives to all of them. And really, the question that just comes down to is what does your party enjoy? And it sounds like they very much enjoy the way you do it of they are tailored and they are made in a way that feels like this is for me. 
whereas my players want to choose their own adventure and want to choose their own rewards. So that works for them. And I think as a dungeon master or a game master or a keeper or whatever game you're playing, like that is one of the harder things to do is figure out what kind of reward system your players want. Or even worse, if you have players that have different reward type systems and trying to figure out that balance. Yeah, yeah, mixing them together. And before we keep going, a small message from a friend of ours, uh, Gamer Mom Luna. I'm Commander Shepard, and Tales from the Tavern is my favorite stream on Twitch. Tales from the Tavern is the epic TTRPG talk show where chat asks all of the questions. <laughs> yeah. D20s are completing their natural migration <laughs> to raise their D4s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that idea that D4s are just baby D20s and all, everything they is just... They don't mature for five years. They, they don't oh. mature for five years. <laughs> That's amazing. You heard it here oh first, God. folks. D4s are that. just baby D20s. Join us live on Twitch every Sunday night at 8pm Eastern on twitch.tv forward slash GamerMomLuna. I can't help it. I stepped in it and smeared it with my toes. It's okay. I forgive you. Or look for Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts. I think wholesome sometimes the best moments were just it's kind of the it's the human aspect of the game in some ways, kind of peeking through in unexpected ways. Join me, Gamer Mom Luna, each week as I interview five new guests. Hope to see you there. Bye. All right, and we're back to the show. What were we talking about again? Oh, oh yeah. When I think about it, most of the games that I've been in kind of do like a balance where it's, you know, you get a little bit of money, you get a little bit of rewards. You could sell the magic items, I guess, if you really mm -hmm. wanted to. But sometimes people keep them. I, I don't know. If, does that happen in your game, Star? Um, I mean, I think my players are hoarders. Um, they, don't, <laughs> they don't get rid of anything, which is part of the problem is it's like they don't really have this. They don't really have a use for it or the use disappeared and they just stick it in the bag of holding and forget it's there. I mean, it's <laughs> I've had we had one player sell something once and everyone was appalled that they sold some like I sold a magic item. Like, well, why didn't you give it to somebody else? Like this was this was mine. You had yours. This was mine. I would like something different. So I sold it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So and I think it's just, again, one of those of new player versus old player not realizing like you can sell it. It's totally fine. Well, we'll still be in the shop unless someone else buys it. You can always come back later if you want and buy it back. So I think that was just kind of a moment to them. Yeah, <laughs> of that's cool. kind of a that's brain cool. explosion. So and I, I also I also know like I as a DM, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to do it as well. After this campaign, I know in future campaigns, I wouldn't be as open with magic items and let them have as many as they do. But I also, like I said, I also have players that forget that they have some things. Um, I have created a couple magic items that I've given them that on several occasions are like, oh, I wish we could do this. I'm like, you can. <laughs> you you Just can. Look at your <laughs> Who has the bag of holding inventory? Like, come on, you guys. <laughs> you guys have oh, something man. that could do this. But I, I think we've, you know, we're talking about magic items. Let's keep talking about magic items because yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> want to pick your brain on kind of your process for creating magic items. And maybe that's, you know, a little bit away from giving advice or recommendations to people. But I, I, I'm, I'm curious, per personally, I'm curious. So I hope the listeners are as well. Could, could you share, I guess, your process for when you create magic items 
are they different for your personal game and for you, you know when you're creating a magic item for something that's potentially going to get published or I'm not exactly sure what you did on Disaster Hamsters. It, was it related to this or is it completely uh, different? A little bit. So I did I did make an, a magic item for Disaster Hamsters. Um we created a hamster ball that was a protective barrier, uh, the booze hamster ball. So I got to create that one. Um, but yes, my process is honestly very different between my D&D magic item daily, ugh, daily D&D magic items. I can say words, something that I give to my players and something I'm going to publish. And so for the daily D&D magic items, the whole premise of it started off of Inktober. So instead of using the prompts to make drawings, because I can draw, but it takes me hours to do so, I decided I'd make magic items using those prompts. And so I did that for October, and then I went, this is fun, I want to keep going. So I asked for prompts from Twitter. And so I get one word prompts, and then I create a magic item from that. So those are usually made fairly quickly and they're not play tested at all. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> like I said, heads up, if you go looking for those is they may need some tweaking as you play, um, as all magic items that are created do. And when I do put a item that I created into my game, my first caveat with the with the players is always I made this one. We may need to tweak it down the road, whether that is to make it stronger because I made it too weak or to pull it back because it's too strong, but just giving you the heads up ahead of time that this may change over time just to make it a little more balanced and fun. But yeah, I really kind of start with what do I want it to do? And then we'll kind of work into the finding the mechanics that work for that and then the flavor to kind of go into it. I think one that I I like the most that I made is called the Potion of the Greedy Gambler which I actually did give to my players and they forget that they have it. And I want them to remember that. they have it. But essentially it was, I can't remember what the prompt was off the top of my head, but I think it was treasure. And so the, my thought process was, okay, going through this, what would be extra fun for players that has to do with treasure? What if they could gamble it when they find it? So it's the essentialness of this potion or this potion that I created with it is that when you find a new treasure, that you have not owned before, you initially find it, you can put a drop of this potion onto the treasure. And then you roll. If you succeed on the roll, the, pro uh, the treasure doubles. Unless anything that is of rarer value or higher does not double, <laughs> because that's just broken. If you roll a, like from one number to another, nothing happens, it just stays as is. If you critical fail, the entire treasure disappears. So it's that fun of do we risk it? If we risk it, we could get more. If we risk it, we could lose it all. And I just think that's something fun that they can play with that can reward them or they can have a fun moment. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> we shouldn't have done that. I love that. I, you know, and I, I think there's place for rewards or magic items that are just like they're just good, right? Mm -hmm. they, they just provide good effects and that's all. But oftentimes the ones that are the most interesting for a game master to create and for a player to use are the ones where there's like a little bit of like a gray area there. Maybe there's a risk like this, this, this potion. 
um, one magic item that I created that I really, really liked was it was called the uh, the Silver Tongue Quill. And it, it was ink and a, and a quill, and you could write things down with it, but every sentence you wrote with it created this tracker that would fill up. And the players didn't know what the tracker was for until it was full. And what it would do is it would summon a demon. You were basically writing an oath to a demon. But what, what the benefit of writing with this pen and this ink was people who read this would be instantly convinced of whatever you're writing. So it was like this, you could, you could write a letter to somebody and send them to make them do something, but the more elaborate your request was, the, lo- like the more you filled out this, this tick box. And once it filled up completely, a demon showed up and like, was like, you've summoned me, you've finished your oath, like, you're mine now. So <laughs> it was really fun. And the players would use, they used it for a long time. And then when it was almost full, like completely filled up, one of the players wanted to do research on like, what is this? <laughs> you did it just the right time. Holy yeah. moly. And, uh, it was really fun. And, and they ended up eventually finishing it off and making a pact with the demon, but like, because they kind of had to, but anyway, it was, it was this fun, uh, it created like this fun side story of what is actually going on with this item and what are we going to do when when <laughs> when we finished making this pact with the demon so it was it was kind of neat so anyway long story short i love it when magic items do this they give them a boon but at a cost or at a risk um and i interrupted your your train of thought star so oh no no not at all for, that's for your your games what about for published published stuff um, uh, yeah, for published stuff, I definitely, I, like I said, I do a lot of, when I'm doing the creation, it's usually for D&D supplements. So when I'm doing those, it's a lot of uh, deciding what we want it to do. And then looking to see if something already exists that does that, because you don't really want to create a magic item for something that already exists. But for a supplement, it's usually for a purpose of the supplement. Uh, one that i made a long time ago that hopefully should be coming out sometime soon is like a basket based off of a different character but this basket would be you would put things of value into it and if you put the things of value into it it would disappear and once you hit a certain gold value you could cast hero's feast without needing the chalice so it was kind of creating Whenever I create a new magic item, I'm trying to create an opportunity where there wasn't one before. So for like that basket or um, one that was for my for my daily D&D magic that I'd like to put somewhere else is my gloves of greater reach. So essentially it is you can expend an extra spell slot to double your spell's length or double its area of effect because there's not really anything for magic casters like you can't reach that far. There's nothing more you can do, whereas... You know, for other things, it's like you can just do it with a disadvantage or things of that nature. So I guess it's just kind of poking holes where there's not already something to cover that missing piece and trying to create something to let your players do something they couldn't do before. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense, right? You, you definitely, I, I like how you said you don't want to create something that exists. Yeah. 
you don't want to create something that exists but is worse than the one that exists either because then why would they yes <laughs> oh there's nothing worse than being like this is better it's like dang it it is better <laughs> yeah yeah exactly what about like theme you know does that how, how does that factor into your creation at all like in any stage or, or for any product it it does depending on the project um like for the for the dnd for the daily stuff that I do. It's really just what fits the theme of the word they're trying to give me. Um, so there's not really an overall theme of all of those other than <laughs> the words I use for the my D&D daily is uh, useful to pseudo useful. Some of them are not not the most optimized things in the world, which is what makes them fun. But for when I'm making magic items for a supplement, definitely it gets tailored to that. So like in Disaster Hamsters, we were creating a protective barrier. So what do we do? Let's make it a hamster ball because that just makes sense. Or I guess one item that I made specifically for my home game was, again, a reward for a player because they defeated uh, a B-Rex. And if you haven't heard what that is, uh, you should check out at Snickle Socks. They created that one <laughs> and I used it and it was glorious. It's a bee T-Rex. It's awesome. Bee T-Rex? Like a gigantic bee? Like a, it's, it is a Tyrannosaurus Rex with like a bee stinger behind oh and it's huge That's and it's poisonous and it's amazing. I encourage people to go look up the B-Rex by Snickle Socks. Uh, <laughs> I loved running that monster. And when it was done, my player had this moment of like, does it have a stinger? I'm like, yeah, it has a stinger. Can I take it and make a rapier out of it? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> so uh, creating a, a bee stinger themed rapier with poison damage was something I did for that player. That's cool. And, and you know, that speaks to like another good reward. And, and I think the rewards that come... And that tell a story, right? The, mm -hmm. Tell the story of defeating the BT Rex. Like they're gonna keep that with them. A anyway, yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I and I think that those usually tend to be the ones that really stick around. The ones that yeah. are like player driven, uh, creative, like that. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and it's there's that kind of reward as a DM too when you hand this to them. And you're like, this is what it is, and we've had to tweak it a little bit because all homebrew never comes out right the first time <laughs> it always needs a little oh. bit of a little bit of alteration so if you are a dm thinking about it go for it and just give them the heads up that we might need to adjust uh based on what we figure out when we play but my kind of reward as a dm is i've like presenting all these new weapons and they're like why would i get something different yes <laughs> i did good <laughs> so yeah that, yeah that, that's a good feeling when they they want to keep them around. And I wonder, you know, in your experience, do magic items affect roleplay? And if so, uh, how? And if not, why? Yeah. And they absolutely can. Like we had kind of talked about with, you know, the this the bee stinger sword or the uh the imp that you allowed there, the little demon that you had come to your players. Like those are great role play playing opportunities. When I had talked about that one of my players sold one of their magic items, it was the immovable rod. <laughs> and they were very one other player was actually not like actually like upset, but, you know, just not happy about the fact that it got sold because he thought it was cool, but it wasn't his kind of thing. That person actually ended up going back and buying that magic item. And then that PC actually died. And 
he left that magic item to the one who originally sold it. <laughs> um, and again, magic item after magic item creating role playing opportunities. He also this the character that had died, Dylan, Dylan died. He had a ring of feather fall. And what he liked to do was get drunk and challenge people to jump off of bar roofs. And if you didn't get injured, you won the bet. And he had a ring of feather fall, so he always won. So the player that he left the immovable rod to had a statue made of Dylan and put the immovable rod inside so that the statue floated, jumping off the top of their guild hall. Oh, that's awesome. And so that was what he created to, you know, memorialize that character. And it was one of those like a simple magic item. Which had no pertinence to any of this <laughs> created that. But there's. You know, you can create amazing store uh, role playing through magic items, through things like you made of the the demon that there can ask for favors or information. They just have to solve a riddle. Or if you are careful, <laughs> cursed items <laughs> can also do that. Um, I always warn people to be careful with cursed items because they're fun. Sometimes okay. if they're ready for it. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, there are some fun ones that like the the cloak of the hellhound, I believe it's called, where you can use it. But after the 10th time you use it, you have to start making saves. And if you fail your save, you stay a hellhound until magically intervened with. Um, that can be great fun. That can create amazing role play as long as the player is cool with it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Nobody really wants to lose their character to becoming a hellhound from a cursed magic item. Or maybe they do. I don't know your players. But I think cursed items can create amazing role play and amazing fun for people who are prepared for it and ready and want it. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I think that that might actually be why some of these, you know, rewards that are half good, half bad are so interesting, right? Because there's something compelling them to using it. Mm -hmm. But there is a discussion to be had amongst the other players, amongst the other characters, as to, like, why are you still using this? There's a risk that something bad happens. And it's with those risks that you create interesting drama. Like, that's always, not always, but that, that, that will almost always create a fun perhaps pointed conversation between player characters or between NPCs and a player character, um, it, it'll create drama, which can create good roleplay for sure. Yeah, it's magic items that have a drawback as long as it's, I, I always reiterate this, a fun drawback, mm -hmm. do create great role-playing opportunities so like you like with the greedy gambler, like do we use it, do we not? And there's this real discussion about do we chance the dragon horde and double it or, you know, do we just take our losses? I am also a big fan of giving players magic items that have a drawback that they know about and they take mm -hmm. it by choice, which again would can create these great role play opportunities. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're running a little long start and I, I do want to go. <laughs> Uh, we got some questions from from Twitter that I, I want to you know bring up and and see get your take on it and kind of bounce some ideas off. Absolutely. So there, there's there's one here that I think we could probably hammer out pretty quickly. 
And I say that, and maybe not, but we'll see. So it, it comes from uh, Rodzilla. So that's at Rodzilla underscore zero on Twitter. And they say, do you prefer making... I'm going to move my mic because I'm looking the other way. Do you prefer making epic items that are huge boons to your characters or small kind of mundane items? Personally, I like items that are small but very unique uh, that allow for creative players to use them frequently or in clutch situations. So I'll throw the I'll throw the question to you first, Star. Um, where do you sit on this uh, topic? For the most part, I agree with that of staying with the multifaceted useful items. The reason that I kind of prefer that is at some point you have to attune to items. And there's nothing worse than this one very powerful thing that only does one thing, but it takes up an attunement slot. <laughs> While they are great and amazing, I, I like things that you can use more often. Now, I will caveat that with when I start getting players up into the 15 to 20 range, that's when I want epicness. That's when I want to give them the Tsokar blade that steals uh, spell slots from the opponent that they strike with it. That's the one that I want to give them then. But before then, the stuff that has multifaceted use that creative players can use that helps in role play and not just battle is something that I very much like to try and put in there. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, very quickly, I have a different take on this, and maybe it's because I play in, in a different system. Um, you know, in, I, right, lately I've been playing a lot in the Fate Core system, and there's no attunement. So I, I really like giving players extraordinarily specific things. You know, this item lets you uh, leave messages in mirrors. You no know, awesome. random things like this, like little, like so specific, so um, puzzle solvy. I like to call it. You know, mm -hmm. they're not really going to give you much of a benefit in combat, but it'll help you solve a social a social problem or uh, an exploratory phase, something like this, and be so specific that like it almost hurts. <laughs> um, Obviously, that doesn't mean I exclude any of the other stuff. You know, there's room at my table for the blanket, always positive, extra HP, extra armor, those kinds of items. But I find the ones that create the best memories at, at my table are the really specific ones. Um, one that I bring up often to... I often bring up very overpowered items that will break. I really like things that you can use it two or three times, and then once you've actually figured out how to use it, it's gone. Um, and you're not fixing it. Like, it can't, it, it's not going to be fixed. It's impossible to fix. So that, I, I have a lot of fun with that. Um, <laughs> maybe I, that's I, terrible. I, no, I like that idea. And I think, I think, just kind of stepping back just a little bit, I think that is what makes the difference between making a magic item in D&D and in other systems is attunement does really restrict you because once you start getting into the more powerful things, you have that attunement requirement. Whereas in the fate system, it sounds like you can carry 60 items and they can all do very specific things and you can use them all. And it's fantastic. <laughs> so I think that's what really kind of may drive the opinion on that one. Cause that was my thought of, okay, I like the smaller stuff usually because it's a little bit more usage and it doesn't take an attunement slot. So you get to have fun with it. 
and not have to worry about like, is this the best thing to be taking up my attunement slot? Um, yeah, that makes sense. And, and yeah. that's a really good example of how the mechanics, I, I mean, we didn't talk too much about the mechanics, but you, you can't not consider that kind of stuff, right? right? Uh, otherwise, you're going to be breaking your game. <laughs> right. If and it's... honestly, it's something I didn't really pay attention to until I started making magic items. Is I was like, okay, yeah, we do this. Yeah, that would take attunement. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, that would take attunement. And so having that thought process of what D&D has attunement with, which is another thing to consider when you're handing out magic items to your to your players, is how many of them have attunement because suddenly that causes a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe let's circle back. Let's let's try to put a bow on this conversation and uh, circle back to rewards. So, you know, we talked a lot about magic items, cursed items. We talked about uh, their creation. We talked about their use. We talked about how they affect pacing. Is there any final thoughts that you have, Star, on, on rewards? and on magic items and kind of their use, their effects on games and the effect on world, that kind of stuff. Any, any parting wisdom that you didn't get yeah. to talk about? So I think, I think the biggest piece that people should take from our discussion about rewards is you have to talk to your players about what their reward system is because mm. it is so different from person to person. It is so different from table to table and game to game. So we'll sit here and we can talk about rewards and what's good ideas and maybe some that's not a great idea, but that's for the games that we know. What is most important is talking to your DM about what makes you feel like you've got you succeeded in being rewarded and talk to your players about what they want, because as GMs, as keepers, as DMs, as gates, whatever, whatever your title is. Our job is to make their game fun. It's our game too, but to make the game fun for the people that are playing. Mm -hmm. And part of that is what reward system they need to feel compelled to keep going. Yeah, and I would even add something that Chris used to say all the time was, what do your players want to feel? Yes. So, you know, sometimes they can't really, sometimes I can't really explain what I want to get out of a game as a player. But I certainly can say, you know, I want to feel heroic or I want to feel like there's a struggle going on or I want to feel happy and like I want this game to like pick me up after a hard week at work. So that can educate your decision on what kind of rewards, how strong you make your rewards, how frequent you make your rewards, all that kind of stuff. You know, get to know not get to know what your players how they want to feel when they're given a reward or when they do something that they think is deserving of a reward and kind of go, go from there. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, to pinpoint a little bit more on magic items, is there any parting words you have or words of wisdom for, for people out there who want to create magic items? Um, you know, your tip of the day, if you will. If you want to, for creating magic items, in all honesty, it's, Start with what you would like to see in the game. And my, I would say start that way and then move more into the rule side of things. But first, create something that you think you would like to see in the game. And then work on precising it up. There's magic items are difficult to make. They're hard to balance. But that just it's the same as DMing. It comes with time. It comes with practice. 
So just start making them, start using them, start tweaking them. There's absolutely no reason not to. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Um, Great. So I think that kind of brings us to the end of the show. Um, Thank you to the people who submitted questions and thank you to you, Star, for being here for this conversation. Um, Now is the time of the show where you can plug all of your projects and all of your socials. So please uh, tell us all about the things that you have worked on, will be working on, and and are working on, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I am Star Shinobi. Again, you can find me at Star Shinobi on Instagram, Twitter, and DMs Guild. Uh, I have a couple supplements with plot hooks on DMs Guild. We have Villagers, which is 25 villains hiding in plain sight that you can just plop right into your game. Uh, these aren't BBEGs. These are... You walk into a town and there's a secret lich or the bartender is actually poisoning people so that they want to continue to come to his bar. It's things like that. So brand spectrum of people you can throw into your game. They have backstories. They have stat blocks. Some even have their own magic items that uh, <laughs> that we put in there. So uh, that one is on DM skills. And then there's disaster hamsters, which is. One of my absolute favorites. Uh, if you've ever wanted to play D&D 5e as a hamster, uh, that is exactly what that is. You are trying to escape the laboratory of Jerry Hilliot, and uh, you are just stuck in hamster form. You need to overcome snuggles and find your way out of there. Um, we are still, I'm sure this is going to go up afterwards, but still hoping Disaster Hamsters 2 will come to fruition. Um, when does that Kickstarter end? I think it actually ends tomorrow, <laughs> so that probably won't get out by then. But oh, um, no. <laughs> uh, it's it's honestly, um, if if it makes it, uh, keep an eye out for where you can order it. If it doesn't make it this time around, you know, we'll probably be reevaluating and trying again because we really want to get Disaster Hamsters 2 out there. Um, otherwise, if you want to check out my D&D daily magic items, uh, go ahead and check out my Instagram. That's where I put most of them. I am currently working on updating them, giving them new art, and more importantly, creating accessibility. A lot of my early ones are handwritten and extremely hard for people with disabilities to read. So I am trying to make sure I update those so that there's more accessibility to those as well. And eventually the Rolo Vaniola compendium will come up, (laughs) come out with all of that. So trying to be a little busy. In the meantime, you can check me out every other Thursday on the Waffles Maple Syrup Twitch channel on Outcast and Outclassed, a 2E Pathfinder Strength of Thousands campaign. Awesome. Yeah, I checked that out. Uh, I've watched a few of the episodes. I definitely haven't kept up with it, though. But um... there's so many out there. It's it's hard to. But if you like Pathfinder and you like people going to school and uh, things going downhill quickly, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that is definitely definitely the uh, the place to go. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, thank you once again, Star. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me on to talk about magic items and just TTRPGs in general. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> oh, and it was great to have you, Star. I'm so happy you were able to join me today to talk about rewards, to talk to me, to talk to me about magic item creation. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing